0: We are continuing our sermon series on the road to Pentecost. And um, like uh, Aaron told us that next Sunday, the road to Pentecost will lead us all the way to that day. We will arrive on Pentecost Sunday. So the scripture lesson today is the passage right before that, the chapter just before that story. It's from Acts chapter 1, verses 6 to 11. Listen. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, is this the time when you will restore the kingdom of Israel? He replied, It is not for you to know the times or periods that the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. When he had said this, as they were watching, he was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight. While he was going, they were gazing up toward heaven, suddenly two men in white robes stood by them. They said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking up toward heaven? This Jesus, who has been taken up from you into heaven, will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. And this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well good morning once again. It's so great to be with you on this spirit-filled morning. I was getting my photo taken this past week as part of our church photo directory project, and I ran into somebody who I hadn't seen in a while, and I told her so. I said, hey lady, I haven't seen you around much. And she said, well, I've seen you. I tune in every week from home, and I watch you on YouTube. So hi to Pat Rose at home. Nice to see you today and to all who are tuning in to worship from a distance. We have a great scripture passage to look at together this morning. It comes from the book of Acts, and in this account, this part of the story, Jesus has died and he has risen. He's been with his disciples, talking with them, teaching them. And, um, and then at the end of this story, he ascends or goes up to heaven, or it may, not in balloon form, but in some form, he disappears. And so these are the last words that the risen Lord Jesus speaks to his disciples before he ascends. So we want to pay attention. Here's what he says. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes to you. You will receive power, and the power of the Holy Spirit is really different from power the way that our world usually thinks about it. The power of God is in us, but it's not the power for us to be over anybody else. Sometimes we get that confused a little bit, and we think, oh, good, we're going to get the power, and then we can use it to compel people or to force function our society to look the way we think it should or to advance our cause by power. I was traveling a a couple years ago in Lebanon, in Beirut, Lebanon, and I was getting to know that city with its troubled history. You might know or remember from the news that Lebanon um, had a civil war for 15 years from 1975 until 1990. And the war finally came to an end only because the warring factions agreed to a power-sharing agreement. None of them could win, so they had to share power. And the history of Lebanon shows this continuous struggle and strife between groups who want to gain and use power. And I was walking around the the city, and I kept seeing this symbol spray-painted on buildings in the part of the city I was in. And I asked somebody what it meant, and somebody explained that this was the symbol of this one particular armed militia group, a Christian armed militia group. And one night I was out in the street, on this sort of side street, I've told this story before, and I went to find a sandwich late at night, and I found this sandwich maker. And so as he was making my sandwiches, I was waiting, and there were all these guys hanging around. And as I got my food, I looked closer, and they were wearing these little necklaces, and they had the same symbol of that militia group. And I realized this was their hangout. This was their late night hangout for this armed militia. So I got my sandwich, and I left immediately. (laughs) So there's a country, that's a country, where the exercise of power by one group over another is very apparent. It's very raw. It's not subtle in a way. These factions are constantly trying to overpower or control the others. But the power of the Holy Spirit, which we're talking about and hearing about today, is totally different. I don't want you to hear this passage, this message, and think, aha, we're going to get the power, then we can do whatever we want. Instead, the power of the Spirit of God is more like what we read in Philippians chapter 2, where St. Paul writes this, let the same mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus, who, though he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God as something to be grasped, but he emptied himself. Taking on the form of a slave, assuming human likeness, he was found in in appearance as a human. He humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even to death on a cross. See, Jesus is given power. He has equality with God, but the way he uses his power is totally different than the way of this world. He doesn't lord it over anybody. He takes on the form of a servant. True Holy Spirit power is at work in us in, uh, when we show up in ways that humble ourselves and serve others in the love of God. That's real power. That's more power than even an armed militia really has. You will receive power and you will be my witnesses. I was talking to one of my neighbors recently just this week. He was standing outside looking up as if into heaven, but actually at at his redwood trees. And and we were looking at his redwood trees, which had become kind of unhealthy, a little bit dry, kind of brown. And he told me that he's been trying to take extra care to help his redwood tree. So what he does is when he turns on his shower to take a shower in the evening, and while it's warming up, he puts a bucket under there and collects all the water, all the shower water, right? And then after his shower, he told me, he takes the bucket, and in his underwear, he runs out into his front yard and he dumps the bucket onto the tree and then he runs back inside. And he told me this and I was thinking, I don't need to hear that. You know, (laughs) I don't need to see that. So now I'm really careful at night not to look out my window in his direction. I don't wanna witness my neighbor in his underwear out watering his redwood tree. But Jesus does say that we will be his witnesses. We will be the ones to show and share about the love of God with others, just like Aaron was talking about with the kids, and we'll do it in a variety of settings. He says, first, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, which is where they are at this point in the story. He's telling them that they'll be empowered by the Spirit right where they are such an important note for us to begin with our lives of faith to be a blessing to others, not far away, but right where we are. Start here. You don't have to go too far to find somebody to love or bless, to listen to or help, or to be a witness in how you treat them today or this week. The idea of being a witness for Jesus might sound daunting to us. It might sound like something that somebody else maybe ought to do. You know, a street corner preacher, or somebody going door-to-door as a Jesus salesperson. But the real witness to Jesus happens through our lives. It happens within our relationships. It, It happens, I hope, with the people that we meet. If you want to respond to the Holy Spirit calling and commission that we are receiving you can start where you are you can start right where you are this week wonder where you're going to be in the days ahead and you can think ahead or or notice it be on the lookout where are you going to be in these days to come where you'll have a chance to impact somebody in a positive loving christ-like way where you can choose to make something harder for somebody or to be the one who blesses them who comes alongside them to encourage them not to condemn to help not to hurt to lift and to love. You know, this Thursday there's this program that I announced at the beginning. It's downtown Los Gatos. It's the, to mark the three-year anniversary of the death of George Floyd, and his death in police custody sparked this huge um, um, reckoning in our country, um, an up-upress or a, a protest movement, an up-upset um, about the subtle and obvious ways that Black people in our country have experienced um, the police. And so this is a program downtown to remember that, to talk about that, maybe to pray about that. And I think I'm going to go mostly just to be a witness, just to be a witness, to say there are folks in a lot of churches in our area that care about this um, important issue, this topic, the, the lives of others. You don't have to go to the ends of the earth. You can start right where you are. You can witness to God's work in your life in so many different ways. I love it when I visit somebody in, the, uh, in our church, maybe in, in a hospital or in their home after a surgery or a medical procedure, and oftentimes I'll arrive and there will be flowers by their bedside, maybe a card or a note from the PCLG deacons, from the caring ministries of our church who've already been there, who've already reached out. It's a witness to love. He's a professor at Fuller Seminary down in Pasadena. His name is Steve Argue, and he's a, an expert on a ministry with young adults, people who want to reach, reach out to young adults or emerging generations. And he has this mantra that he uses and he shares with churches, which is this. He says, see the young adults right here before searching for young adults out there. A lot of churches right now have an anxiety about next generation and about younger people with, when it comes to church attendance. And he says sometimes you look past the young adults who are in your midst right now, already. You're looking for somebody way far away, somebody different, somebody else. God's already put them into our midst. Another example in our church right now is that Jesus says, you will be my witnesses to the ends of the earth across every border and every culture and every place. But what we're experiencing as a church is that because we live in an area that is really multicultural, where people move here from all kinds of backgrounds and places around the world, that we have the chance to minister to people from the ends of the earth right where we are, actually in our own setting. In our new members classroom yesterday, we, this is just a case in point, we had 14 new members join with us in our church who came from six different countries of origin, including the United States. We read in Acts chapter 1 about receiving the power of the Holy Spirit so that we can be in humble, relational, loving service with others, and it starts where we are, and it grows from there. What we heard in our class time yesterday with our new members is... Um, is that um, newer people reflected as why they were joining our church why are they were a part of it and they said they felt welcomed Just a theme they felt welcomed they felt seen or heard known or loved there's a witness to christ we can have right here in our church and you're a part of that then jesus goes on he continues and he says you'll be my witnesses in jerusalem and also in Judea and Samaria. It's kind of like the surrounding neighborhood, Judea and Samaria. If Jerusalem represents the religious center, the place where you already are, your church, then Judea and Samaria is the neighborhood or the area around where you live. And we remember from the Bible that Samaria was full of all kinds of people that, that those in Jesus' times didn't really like very much. Remember that? They did not like the Samaritans. They had a different set of religious beliefs. They had a different ethnic makeup. They had a history of suspicion toward each other. It actually sounds like some of the neighborhoods where you might live right now, right? And the power of the Holy Spirit at work in us, and by that power, we're sent into those places, our own area, our neighborhoods. I'll tell you that I've had to learn how to be um, god 's person in my own neighborhood. I have to kind of develop in my own thinking about that, and i 've changed over the years because where I live, the majority of people buying houses or moving into our neighborhood are Indian, maybe South Asian, right that 's a, that's a theme in our area. And um, so my initial way of, of meeting and greeting of people, new people that I meet, almost always, as some of you know, is to invite them to our church. Uh, you won 't be surprised i 'm the pastor but also I like our church. I think it's a great, a great place to be. Um, that's why I kind of love it when we have a barbecue series like this summer. Just an easy way to say to somebody, hey, come on over to a barbecue. You know, come join us. Not, not too churchy. But what I've learned in recent years in, when I meet neighbors, new neighbors especially, who come from uh, other religious traditions, is that maybe my calling is just to be a great neighbor to them. Just a good neighbor. You know, just the kind of person that they're glad to have around, someone who can keep an eye on their house when they're away, or ask, about, ask them about their kids and their school, or let them know if they left their garage door open at night. Oh, wait, that was me, so they'd have to call me. Anyway. <laughs> the basic Christian calling that we have, which is love God and love your neighbor, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind, love your neighbor as yourself, is at work when we move out into our neighborhood, into our little... Judea's and Samaria's where there are people who are like us and also people who are not that like us In both cases we can bear witness just by being neighbors I was talking to a police officer the other week um, somebody that I'm just getting to know in my work as a police chaplain here in our town and uh, He was on a stakeout and by a stakeout. I mean he was standing next to his car um And he was watching this one stop sign, this one intersection, because he was checking to see if anybody was blowing by the stop sign. And um, he put it in this term. This is what he said. He said, people need to be more neighborly. He used neighbor language. They should be more neighborly. You know, we should um, not be speeding in a school zone. Don't blow a stop sign in an area where people are riding bikes. Don't drive as if nobody else is around. I doubt if my driving would be a witness to Christ, but that's a different question. I liked the way he said it, though, and that's just how he thought about it. He said, I want people to be neighborly in Judea and Samaria, and then in the ever-expanding power of God's Spirit, it will lead us to the ends of the earth. It will lead us beyond what we could ask or imagine right now. So friends, I don't know how God will use this scripture passage to speak into your life this week. I don't know exactly why you are hearing it, but I believe God has a purpose for you in hearing this message for your life today. The power of the Spirit does not operate like a Lebanese militia. It works the way Jesus did, with humility, faithful in small things, going boldly where we are led. So my prayer for you is that you will let the Spirit of the living God guide you into your relationships, your conversations, your neighborliness this week. Start where you are, move out into the neighborhood, and trust that God will go with you. Amen? Amen.